You're listening to another great podcast in the Stoplight Network. Hi folks and welcome to episode 9 of the Let's Talk Apple podcast, the episode for May 2014. I'm your host, Bart Bouchatz. Joining me today, we have a lovely panel of people. Um, so let me see, I guess they're in sort of pseudo-alphabetical order. First off, the whole way from New Zealand, good morning, Alistair Jenks. Good morning, Bart. I'm assuming it is morning for you because it's night. It's like evening time here. It is. It's, it's post-WWDC morning. Whereas here, well, for me, it's post-WWDC evening and... Um, then for my other two guests, I think it's WWDC morning. So we have um, Adam Christensen from the MacCast on the west coast of America. Welcome, Adam. Yep, and we've now officially hit afternoon, though. Oh, so. nine minutes ago. Oh, well. <laughs> well, I'd be, no, an hour, an hour and nine, nine minutes, minutes ago. There you go. Okay. And then we have Guy Searle, who I believe is on the east coast. Yeah, I'm either on Mars or it's late afternoon. Okay, Mars sounds like fun. Yeah. Is it red outside? Um, yeah, as a matter of fact, it is. Oh, excellent. You must be on Mars. Well, um, with, like, with, with like a nice nice touch of orange. It, it, mm-hmm. It's very pretty. Uh, so we have, basically, this Skype call is spanning the globe, so we're bound to have a little bit of lag and we might step on each other. So uh, apologies in advance to the listeners if we do. We're trying not to, but, you know, Skype reality and all that. Uh, oh, I should also say that Guy is from the My Mac podcast. Oh, I would have mentioned it before we were done. Oh, well, you all get to do loads of plugs at the end, but I, I, I'd meant to mention at the start. And also, I had an Alison Sheridan on standby in case Guy didn't make it back with his beetle. <laughs> Which he did, so, so Guy is here. But thank you to Alison for being on standby. I have to ask, a new one or a classic one? Oh, actually, my wife has two. She has a 1972 classic beetle, orange. And uh, we were looking for a, a car because my younger son is graduating from high school and will be going to college locally and would have needed a car and doesn't drive a standard. So uh, I searched high and low and found an, an orange New Beetle 2005 down in uh, Florida. I thought you got a pair. Yes. And orange right. is your thing, obviously. Well, it was her thing. So ah. it's, it's, it's mostly her car. I just paid for it. Did cool she have a Tangerine car. iMac? Uh, no, she did not. She was actually a relative latecomer to the Mac. Ah. She was actually a Unix uh, network administrator where she used to work. Well, even better reason to be on the Mac. It is now. <laughs> yeah, but now, so- now she's not working, so it doesn't matter. <laughs> I, I don't know why I'm laughing. Ah. Okay, so as we already mentioned, today was WWDC Day, but this is the May episode of Let's Talk Apple. So we're actually not going to talk about WWDC. Uh, if you want to hear... Aww. Well, yeah, I kind of... <laughs> I, I have a feeling no, that as the it. month goes on, you know, there's now a whole week of devs being told cool stuff by Apple, and they're going to leak, let's be honest. There's yes. betas coming out, so they're going to leak, let's be honest. So by the end of the month, I actually think we'll be able to do a better episode on WWDC <laughs> when it's had a month to settle in than we could do today. But if well, you and public quick, betas. <laughs> well, betas are fun, right? Yeah. So if you, want your, if you want your quick hit, then I would recommend that, I think, Adam, you're recording with Ken Ray after this, so that'll be fun. Yeah, I believe that's a day six thing, so that'll be a subscriber thing. And Okay, and you're not simulcasting it across your show too. I know Ken sometimes does that. Nope. 
No. Okay, so day six. But I'll be talking on my own show. (laughs) Oh, well, you can, yeah. And then I'll be on the Mac Roundtable. So lots of WWDC to go around. Yeah, I don't think there's going to be any shortage of coverage. And I'm guessing you guys are going to talk about it on the the, 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 uh, MyMac. Yeah, next Sunday when Gaz and I get back together to record. Cool. So you yeah, he, weeks, weeks he actually recorded yet. without me on uh, <gasps> on Sunday. I know. I'm, How dare I'm, he? I'm angry. <laughs> so let's get stuck into the main news. And um, let's, as usual, let's start with some interesting numbers. So back in April, uh, the iPhone was the number one in the JD Power customer satisfaction survey for smartphones. Well, uh, this month, it's the iPad's turn, which is the number one tablet from the JD Power customer. Blah, 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 blah. Not really. <laughs> All that noteworthy. I just thought it was worth mentioning that you know it completes a pattern. So, what will it be next month? Uh, do they do one for Macs? Well, for PCs, I guess not for Macs. I don't know. Um, Apple also jumped to the number two retailers. Oh, sorry, the number two online retailer spot in the United States of America. Obviously, behind Amazon. Who isn't behind Amazon and online selling stuff? But that means <laughs> that Apple sell more stuff on the interwebs than Staples and Walmart do. Which for, Probably combined. Yeah, for for foreigners like me, that sounds impressive. Does that sound as impressive to people who know the place? I actually think that um, most people, if they're going to buy from Walmart, probably just go right to the store to do that's so. That's what I would think, too, yeah. So maybe that's, that doesn't mean nearly as much as those outsiders <laughs> think. Yeah, and as far as Staples goes, I I doubt people... You know, if you're buying something online from Staples, you're probably getting, like... Uh, you know, ink or paper or, you know, you're, you're not buying, you know, 1200 to $2,500 computers at, at one shot. How many sheets of paper well, that, to an iMac? I'm sorry? Lots. <laughs> A lot. I was going to, that's what I was going to actually ask is, is the numbers, they're talking about, they're basing it on sales then, right? Yeah. So not, basically who makes the most cash? Yeah. So I would, I would be with Guy there. It's like, you got to compare... Numbers to numbers. I would have thought Best Buy would have been a better comparison. Something I buy a lot of stuff uh, from like Best Buy on online with in-store pickup. So how does that count? You know, what does that count like? Is that count as online sale or not? Uh, online sale? Hmm. May- maybe not, since you're actually are you paying for it there online and just picking it up, or you pay? Or you yeah, you pay online. You order, pay online, and then pick it up in the store. I do that all the time. Oh well, then that should be that should be considered online, as far as I'm concerned. But it probably cool. isn't. I'm guessing that's probably considered a retail sale, and it probably gets credited to whatever store I pick up the the inventory from, which is an interesting thing to think about. Yeah, it depends where they record it, I suppose. But also in terms of Apple Online, wouldn't that include all of iTunes? Yes, it would. Yep. Yeah. Which is lots and of small things, but it's lots of small things. That's true, actually. Yeah, all the and apps. And apps and songs of course yeah okay then um the other thing that caught my eye um philip elmer dewitt always does great numbers if 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 you care about numbers i would suggest subscribing to his blog but something he pointed to this week was two sets of numbers which together make a nice story so canaccord genuity are reporting that apple makes 65 percent of the world's smartphone profits and idc are reporting that apple ship 15.5 percent of the world's physical smartphones Hmm. Which is yet another sort of, this happens all the time. This is just another piece of data in the ongoing pattern that uh, Apple have the sort of the high-end sewn up pretty darn well. If you can make the most money 
by only selling fifteen percent of the stuff, you've always you've obviously got the premium end well sewn up. And you know, as much as I hate car analogies, mm-hmm. if if any single manufacturer had fifteen point five percent of the world's market for cars, I think they'd be pretty darn happy. That is true. That well, is true. Apple were gunning for one percent, weren't they, when they originally released the iPhone? Yeah. Yeah, yeah when, when when Jobs was on stage, he was like, "We're only going for you know, hoping for one percent at you know, at the end of this mm, first year." That's not how he phrased it. What he, he said it in a much more open ended way. He said, "I mean, if we only got one percent of that, it'd be a great business." Right. Oh, yeah. 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 You know, so he didn't limit himself to one percent, but said, "Hey, just think, if we had one percent, you know, they're, they're yeah, so we nice stop selling floor, them, so you can't <laughs> fail easily." But left it open. So he's doing fifteen hundred percent better. Indeed. Well, not personally. Yeah. Oh, well, yeah. Not not anymore. No. Sadly. Um, the according to I forgot to say who this was according to. I hope it's according to someone reliable. Otherwise, I'm going to wish I deleted the story. Uh, Apple, Apple Insider. Apple Insider. Yeah. Current Apple Insider. Mm, semi-reliable source. Oh well, yeah, but no bias. Absolutely, positively known whatsoever. <laughs> <laughs> According to Apple Insider, um, in South Korea, which is obviously the home of Samsung and LG and a whole bunch of other tech companies, actual customers are happier with their iPhones than they are with their Samsungs and their LGs, which is kind of in here for schadenfreude purposes, to be honest. Not that surprising. Well, no, because they're... You know, what, that they like it better or that they're doing it for schadenfreude reasons? Well, I'm doing it for schadenfreude. <laughs> okay. <laughs> no, no, no. I was saying that they're liking it better isn't surprising to me. I mean, the the overall consumer experience, in my mind, with, with iPhones and Apple products, is. I mean, it's designed from the ground up to be that way. Yeah, and nationalism so, will yeah, cover no, up for a little bit. Actually, in both, and and this is what's kind of surprised me, about how well the iPhone has been doing in places like Japan and South Korea, uh, they're very much home team markets. Where right. if if Sony or Samsung or you know uh, pick your pick your company comes out with a phone that's that's even half as good, you know they're going to go with that almost every single time because yeah, it's it's the home team market. That's that's what uh, that's what they do. But does the vendor have to be a home team player as well for that to happen? Um, as in, well, know, in the case if, of Samsung, if Samsung are talking is. up local jobs and you know putting back into the community and all that sort of stuff, then then certainly I could imagine that. But if they're just out to make money and don't really care about the the, you know, the community yeah, how, that they're in, how good of a corporate citizen are Samsung to the local country? I don't uh, know not, is the answer to that. Well, to local politicians whose hand has been caught in Samsung's cookie jar several times, <laughs> they're they're very good. I, I sort of meant more to your average South Korean. <laughs> Ah, okay. Well, I couldn't answer that. I just know about the stories I've heard about bribes and everything else. Which is not generally a good sign. No. Um, The next stat that caught my eye actually caught my eye for not the reason you might expect. So Chitika do their browser stats every month, and the story is generally the same. Lots of people use iPhone, lots of people use Android, and no one uses anything else. Uh, So 53% uh, iOS surfing in the US, and these are US-only numbers, 44.5% 44.5% Android surfing, which, if you do the math, leaves very, very little left over. And a whole <laughs> bunch of people around with the headlines, Windows now third in mobile phone browsing. <laughs> right, 1%. One little teeny tiny percent. Well, that's still third, though. 
I mean, yeah, they get a bronze. That's a misleading headline in my book. Yes, the okay, other well, one is you know what, in this is, case, go ahead, Windows makes it onto the board. Yeah, <laughs> just. <laughs> you know, with a number like that, they should just instead of getting third place, they should just get like one of those participation medals. Also ran. Yeah, that they give to like everyone. Oh, thanks for playing this game. You didn't do so well, but here. Hmm. Well, see, the thing is, that, More- you know, the, the stories were Windows went up to third place, but actually, Windows share stayed the same. And I think it was uh, Symbian fell below them, or or BlackBerry. One of them basically, someone fell, someone got even worse, and Windows stayed the same. But Windows went up to third. Was how the story wow. was going in a lot of places. Well, I'm More sure. Surf, I'm Sim- sure the Symbian Surface Three will will just make it like shoot up through the through the through the skies. I almost said that without laughing. I'm sorry. We'll come back to the Surface Three later. Um, sorry. That is, that is, <laughs> no, that is the story I have picked out from maybe talking about if we have time. Alistair, you were jumping in there. I was just saying, what a great achievement it is to beat uh, BlackBerry and or Symbian. <laughs> We're not sinking as fast. On a, on a little more serious serious note, what was interesting to me on that number is, I think just thinking historically, because like you said, they come out with this number every month. Hmm. It seems like Android is, is uh, pretty quickly approaching iOS in terms of that number. Like it, you, There used to be a much bigger gap, and that seems to be narrowing. Well, how could it not? When yeah. you can, when you consider the sheer volume of Android devices out there, I mean, if you were looking at tablets, I think with tablets, Apple still has like over an eighty share as far right. as browser statistics go. But when you're talking about you know a device you have in your pocket that that you um, know, doesn't yeah. royally just hack you off every time you turn it on, yeah, you know you're going to use it to surf the web regardless right. of what. It, you know, whether it's a good experience or a bad experience. People obviously didn't used to, though, because a lot, a, lot of, a lot of Android devices are sold as basically the new feature phones. So they are right. smartphones, but they're, be, they're being sold very, very cheap in the old feature phone slot. And for a long time, people just didn't use, use them to do more than make calls. But obviously, if on they're text. coming up in the stats, they're most, you know, the, the notion of surfing on your phone is obviously really taking off among everyone, not just the tech savvy people. Is how I read that. Right. Can't we blame Tim yeah. Cook for that? Because every time he stands up and says, oh, what are all these people doing with these Android devices? They're not using them as browsers. <laughs> so people are realizing that they are. So they're using them. Which is good. <laughs> and then the final number is a segue. Um, according to data from Lex Machina, Apple are the most targeted company for patent lawsuits, or at least they were in the year 2013. And I'm sure when the 2014 number comes out, it'll be the same. Gasp, he yeah. said. Shock and or horror. So on into the legal updates for May. Um, oh, your your favorite bit. My favorite bit. So we'll go through it nice and quick. <laughs> <laughs> Shock and or horror. Samsung are appealing last month's big $120 million <laughs> verdict. And according no. to my show notes, it was $120 in the verdict. <laughs> I know it was less than Apple wanted, but it wasn't that much. It's hitting that way. They, they wouldn't have appealed that. <laughs> no. <laughs> yeah. Here you go. They would have looked for change in the couch cushions. <laughs> would you like a check or PayPal? Um, our good friend Judge Cote has denied Apple's request for a stay in the ebook damages trial. Um, this bitch. makes no sense to me. This whole thing is up for appeal. Why it not wait? Fascinates the appeal? me. Hmm? It fascinates me. This this whole topic of how it's going. I mean, the states just seem to be piling in and saying, "Oh, cool! Is there money on offer?" Yeah, exactly. Because what? Where do where do states figure in ebook sales? Is what I don't get. Well, unless they're planning on giving it to all of their citizens 
as some sort of rebate of some sort. It does seem a bit odd. It's a money grab. That's all it is. You know, they see they see Apple with uh, 160 billion, you know, someplace in the world, and you know they want they want to get whatever they can out of it. Not necessarily to spend it wisely, but just to see what they can get. Yeah, it, I don't know. It strikes me as odd, but I, to, to me, if there's a if there's an appeal going on, surely you should wait on the appeal before you start writing the checks. But or allow or allow for the lawsuits. Yeah, it, I don't know. It just makes no sense to me. But then again, I'm not a lawyer, so a lot of the law makes no sense to me. Uh, what sounds like spectacularly good news is probably less spectacular than it sounds, but Apple and Google have dropped all lawsuits between them. Well, it's Apple and Motorola, right, on the way out? Well, it, it's Apple and Motorola or whatever we're calling that. Yeah. <laughs> I guess they're just cleaning it up before they sell it off. Right. Um, so this is only direct lawsuits. So this is only where the litigants are Apple directly and Google directly through their subsidiary, but not Apple v. Samsung, where Google were dragged into it because they make Android, right? So this is nowhere near as big of a story as you'd hope. There's no sort of cross-licensing deal. This is just sort of a case of some litigation that isn't all that important, isn't happening anymore. Well, that's because Moto isn't important anymore. Actually, yes, that's a really good point. <laughs> it's it's sort of falling down those rankings. It'll be falling below Windows, uh, you know, Microsoft before long. By the way, I figured out that the the correct combination of Google and Moto is GoTo. We know how that ends. GoTo file. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> um, some interesting stuff. An old problem got a new light shine on it this month, where I, I believe the term was coined was iMessages purgatory. And so this whole smart thing of your iPhone knows when you're, the person you're texting has an iPhone and therefore it doesn't send an SMS, it sends it to iCloud, which is all really great until you get rid of your iPhone, you buy an Android device, your friends' iPhones continue to send all of your SMSs into iCloud, you don't get any of them, and your friend's phone says it was sent. Mm-hmm. And th- this is a serious bug, and Apple have admitted that it's a serious bug and that they're working on it, but unsurprisingly, there's a lawsuit. And I kind of think justifiably. <laughs> yeah, this one is one of those that, like, I normally hate these things. But, mm. I mean, Apple, this has been going on for years. This isn't anything new. Yeah. They've had this problem for a long time, and they've had a long time to resolve it or solve it. And the fact that they haven't just shows kind of negligence, really. Yeah, obviously. Not, well, I mean, isn't, so. isn't it just a setting well, no, because there seems to be a problem where it doesn't forget. It doesn't, it doesn't learn the new reality ba- that you are not an iPhone user anymore. Basically, here... Well, the, not, the, the, sorry, sorry, go ahead, Adam. I was just going to say the core of the problem is that your number gets attached to your... You know, your telephone number gets attached to... And your device gets attached to your... Uh, your iCloud ID. account. Right. Yeah, your iCloud account. And Apple has no way after the fact to just sort of go and and disconnect it. So if the consumer isn't proactive enough to go in and make sure that on every device and every place they've ever set up that phone number, which would include the Mac, any iPads, any iOS devices, and make sure that they turn off uh, iCloud and messages and, and disassociate that number completely with the system, then they, can't, they apparently can't do it anyway after the fact. So if you get a new device and you take your old device and even if you wipe it, if you forget to deregister iMessage with your Apple ID, then 
it, you and then you port your number, your number is still associated with that that device. Apparently, it's kind of what's going on. So, so how do Apple solve this <laughs> software? Well, I mean, but, all they all they would really have to do is uh, what uh, check the uh, the MAC address of of you know, device A versus device B. You could, yeah, well, I mean, you could they, do it simply can, with a timeout, right? If the if the iPhone yeah. that I think owns this number hasn't checked in with me in three days, disassociate it until it does. Yeah, or, yeah. or even, or you give me a, a little UI when I log into iCloud with a little button that says "Take it away." Yeah, that that's what I'm thinking. Is like there should be a simple way to log into my iCloud account and say, "Hey, I sold this device. Yeah. I don't have it anymore." And that's, I mean. The good side of iCloud and, and iMessages is how transparently it works when it's all working. The downside is how utterly opaque it is when it comes to seeing what on earth it's doing. Yeah. It's interesting, though, because you know, some, sometimes my sons might run out of uh, their data plan. Hmm. So the phone basically just shuts down from a data perspective when they're out and about. And the phone will eventually try and resend it as a text message. So how is that different well, it, it, there, well, Apple were saying that there's, there is a server-side bug that they say they have licked, and they also say there's a client-side bug they still have to fix. So it doesn't seem to happen to everyone all the time, but it does happen to lots right. of people lots of the time. Okay. Yeah, this was the same problem sense. they had when, when they, before they did activation locks and people's phones were getting stolen, and then they would go get a new phone, port the number, and then all of their text messages from their friend or their iMessages from their friends started going to the, to the stolen phone. Same problem. And then, sort of, finally, just to sort of another another note in a long running sort of um, thread, uh, Apple have won another court case in another country against Samsung. This time, it's in the Netherlands, and it has resulted in an injunction. So, you know, the pattern is pretty strong. Wherever Apple and Samsung go to court, Apple tend to come out the winners, and Samsung tend to come out the losers. Now, what was they didn't, interesting they didn't, about that one was it's all future devices as well. Well, kind of maybe, isn't it? Well, I mean, the, it seemed that they allowed for that. It's not just the, the original ones mm. that were involved in the suit, which I think was the Galaxy S and S2. Yeah, the, the, yeah it, it, it's not clear whether it's sort of automatic or whether they just sort of left it open to that. Or at least it wasn't from the stories I read. But then again, see previous comments about not understanding lawyer stuff. <laughs> Didn't uh, isn't the bounce back? That's the bounce back patent, and isn't that one of the ones that they didn't get in the U.S.? It is indeed the bounce back patent, yeah. and I don't remember whether it was or wasn't one they got in the U.S. Yeah, it's all law. <laughs> it's all law. We, we could do with having a lawyer on the panel sometime. <laughs> it's just interesting to think that you have to go, you know, country by country. And, you know, I guess you can win in one country and lose in another country for the same patent, which is well, every, bizarre. Yeah, different countries have different laws, because in Europe you can't patent software, whereas in America you can. So it's all a bit weird. Yeah, we need we need a, some sort of global patent system, I think, at some point, like a lot yeah. of things. Good, good luck on that. <laughs> right, it'll never happen, but I mean, it, the more and more you think about how the internet has opened up the world, just the fact that we're doing, you know, this podcast and and the world's becoming more internationalized, but it seems like our our laws and and 
a lot of these regulations and specifically laws surrounding business and trade and stuff like that are just so antiquated and broken when it comes to the new ways of doing business. Yeah, and I mean, that, that works for the stuff that's really boring and we don't like, like patents. But it also, the same is also true for um, usage rights. Yeah. yeah. I mean, if there was some sort of global system for this kind of stuff, we would much more easily get much more content available for sale in much more countries much more easily. But every right. country has their own unique and individual take on licensing laws, which means that in Ireland we can't get TV shows from Apple, but we can get movies and music. And in other countries you can get TV shows but not movies, and it's all a mess. Yeah, but the interesting thing is if you talk to consumers and you talk to most, most content creators, not all of them, but a lot of content creators, both, both of those sides, which are the, the, you know, the start and the end of that stuff, hmm. they want it resolved. Yeah, you know, the they, they would be open. It's, yeah, it's the, it's the governments and all the people in the middle mucking it up. I don't, I'm not sure it's the, well, the governments, I'm sure, are helping to muck it up, but I don't think they're the ones with the incentive. I think it's the people who make money being the middle people don't want to see themselves disenfranchised. Yep. And well, in some in some countries, the people in the middle give a lot of that money to the government. Yeah. Directly and indirectly. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Through political Not all taxes. And just taxes. Yeah. Right. Well, let us move into the main bulk of Apple stories. And uh, the first sort of grouping of stories I have is Apple go on a May buying spree. Uh, one of which is a really short story. Apple bought some people what make LED screens. Which is good. But obviously the big story which started most of the month as a rumour and then at the end of the month became a fact. Apple have bought Beats Music and Beats Headphones. Or Beats Electronics, whatever the name of that second thingy is. So Dr. Dre now works for Apple, as does uh, Jimmy Iovine. That's a little frightening. Is it? I, is no, quite, not really. Oh. I'm just kidding. Well, you see, the thing is, I don't... I don't really know anything about either of these people. I don't really have any sort of way of knowing how important this is. And I was trying to get some sort of sense out of the analysts, and they're all going, Aah! so what? Because of the I'm... price? But because of the price, and because none of, none of the analysts seem to understand why. I would recommend well, I, I don't watch, know. watch ahead, the sorry. Recode uh, conference video that had Eddie Q and Jimmy Iovine. That that just it covers it. And, uh, you know, when I didn't even know who Jimmy Iovine was, although I'm rereading the Steve Jobs biography. Mm-hmm. And funnily enough, right after uh, I had watched that video, I just got to the passage where, oh, and then Jimmy Iovine did this, and then Jimmy Iovine did that. He was um, present uh, during the U2 iPod. Uh, he mm-hmm. was Alistair, one of the key just, players in that. You've just really said, every time I read the name, my brain was going, you know this person, you know this person, you know this person. Now I know from where. Thank you. Uh, yeah, what was the he he ran a record label, um, Giffen Interscope or something like that. Yeah, Interscope, and he is actually stepping down from that now that he's over yeah. at Apple. But uh, somebody actually said that uh, Jimmy reminded them of Steve Jobs, and I have to agree. It's well, interesting. Wasn't, it wasn't big on the hair from the pictures <laughs> I've seen. <laughs> no, it's interesting. No personality-wise. Yeah, I think uh, there's some people even saying that, uh, you know, the sort of a fringe element saying that, you know, Tim, as great as Tim is, has never been kind of that sort of front man personality that Steve was Hmm. in that Jimmy might have that kind of cachet and he could be sort of thrust out there as the front guy at these presentations and stuff like that, which is an interesting thing to think about. But I haven't seen him speak, so I haven't watched that. 
recode so we thing and get out, it to my queue. We should watch out in September for the music event then. Yes. Maybe, yeah. Could be interesting. They'll finally kill the iPod. No. Well, didn't it vanish from the refurb store this week? The old E, old iPod? Oh, so they're going to refresh it. Excellent. Either that or they just didn't have any. Any That's refurbs. True. How do you refurb something that no one's bringing in? Uh, yeah. But in the refurb store, they have every product listed and some of them are grayed out. So if it's not listed at all, that does actually mean something. Because normally you can go in there and it'll say, you know, uh, iMac, MacBook, iPod, and there'll often be no iPods or iPhones um, present in the refurb store, but they're still listed there and grayed out. Yeah, I'm just, okay, I'm just going to check the Irish store and see what I see. So well, if now, it's, if it's but gone, as far as it means that we don't plan on ever getting these again. If it's grayed out, it means we're just out right now this minute. Yeah. Right. But as far as Beats goes, the, the one thing that I haven't seen anybody talk about is the fact that Beats also does car audio for Fiat and Chrysler. And I wonder if there could be some component of that involved in this as well with CarPlay. I'm sure there will be. Yeah. I mean, as I say, what, having watched that video from uh, the Recode conference, you, they were asked direct questions, what are you going to do? And of course, you know, in typical Apple style, in fact, uh, Jimmy had the, the, the best response. He said, I work for Apple now. I can't say anything. Um, <laughs> but, but Eddie said, look, what I'm going to tell you is this is what we do. This is what they do. Just imagine what we can do together. And, and it was all about yeah. the future. It's, it's not about they've bought, you know, a, an existing brand of headphones or an existing streaming service. It's about these guys really know what they're doing with music. We're really into music. We think together we can make great things going forward. So I think they've basically said, you know, we like the cut of your jib, so come on board, and then we'll work yeah. out what we're going to do from here. So it was still higher, as it's called. Right. Well, and it was also, I think, a lot about the cultural fit of the two companies. Um, just, you know, in terms of their philosophy in terms of even with like the headphone business the design philosophy of the headphones design to utility all those sorts of things i i commented you know it really sort of embodies that thing that jobs always called the intersection of what do you always say art oh, and technology hum- no humanities and the sciences or yeah this sort that sort of thing and you know a lot of people to liberal too arts, forget it, Adam. liberal arts i mean and sciences. liberal arts and the sciences yeah and that um you know, three billion seems like a lot, but you start to break it down. I mean, the headphone business alone is, I think, one point three billion and change Pretty in terms of annual revenue. Yeah, yeah. So three Sales. years, and they make the, well, they make the money back in revenue, which is obviously not the same as profit. But well, that's assuming they keep the headphone business. But um, well, you know, it's that's 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 as big as the Apple TV business is currently. So that you know, I start thinking about it that way. I mean, it's it's small in terms of Apple, but it's still not a not an insignificant number. It's a big business. Didn't I hear someone from Apple say that? Well, right now, Beats only sell their headphones in some countries. With the power of Apple, we could sell them in lots more countries. Yes. So that means that yeah. even if they don't do anything new, they can that one point something billion is likely to go up if Apple start to, to put their sort of, actually their Tim Cook-style ability to make products efficiently and get them all over the world. Right. Yeah, the interesting was the breakdown, because it seems like in the aftermath that Beats Music is going to be the thing that Apple's going to more leverage and also, you know, the Aquahire stuff. But when you broke down the, the cost, what Apple paid, somebody did this, I can't remember where it was, um, 
it was like 2.5 billion for the headphone business and only 500,000 for the, the for the Beats music portion which quote unquote which only is, has like 500,000 subscribers or something and is only 3 months old yeah which, which yeah, is exactly. another thing that Jimmy pointed out that that's only 3 months old it's still starting and for something that's 3 months old half a billion not bad yeah or not too shabby as they say at apple and breaking news on the New Zealand refurb store, uh, we definitely have the iPod Classic grayed out. We also, get this, have a MacBook Pro 17-inch grayed out. Oh, how quaint. In the Irish store, we have all iPods grayed out, classic included. There's not a single refurbed iPod in Ireland. <laughs> yeah, we, we only have touches. Well, no nanos, no, no classics. No 17, oh, MacBook Pro 17-inch grayed out. Are you See, now I have to go and look. Damn it. <laughs> I I had one of those and it was probably one of my least favorite laptops I ever owned. What, the 17 inch? 17 inch? inch? Yep. Oh, I love mine. I know you do. <laughs> We've talked about this before. But see, I was a student at the time, so to me it was a mobile desktop. Yeah, it's too huge. Yeah, mobile desktop. Um, just some <laughs> practicalities while um, Guy is off checking his refurb store. Um, no 17 inch. No 17? Nope. Oh. Well, we uh, we have none either. Just they have a list. It just means your your used one is probably worth a lot of money. No iPod, no classic iPod, no classic iPod. So it seems to have gone from the US store, but they haven't cleaned up elsewhere. I guess they maybe may not get rid. They're still in the retail store. If you if you want me to go into <laughs> no, but I mean it, it's not showing it. <laughs> can the, walk in, in and buy one. Store new one. Yeah, yeah, so not grayed out. It's just gone gone from the US retail store or yep. refurb so store. It just probably means they've balanced the the demand and supply to the point where they don't have, you know, like you said, a lot of extra ones floating around. Yeah. How long does it take to make six a month? You know, exactly. (laughs) Um, just, I guess just some practicalities of this deal. So Dr. Dre and Jimmy Iovine are going to report to Eddie Q and the headphone business will report to Phil Schiller. Um, Tim Cook also sent out a letter to employees basically saying these guys are great and we're going to do cool stuff together. And then there's the Recode interview, which has already been mentioned, which is really good. And after the acquisition, um, the price of your Beats Music subscription went down from $119.89 per annum to $99.99 per annum. And the trial period went from seven days to 14 days. Not sure how important that is, but that's what happens. I'm trying it out. Uh, That link you've got in the show notes is to Tim Cook. So we should probably Oops. find the uh, link to the other one and add that as well. Yeah, well, yeah there's a video thing, and then kind of for us actually, Tim did a just a uh, like text interview, which has really good stuff in it as well. Yeah. Right. So I I guess to sort of the sum up on the Dr. Dre, the important stuff is what's going to happen going forward, and we should expect cool musicy stuff. Is that what I'm picking up from everyone? Yeah. Yep. And a medical marijuana dispensary in the uh, ice spaceship. <laughs> Actually, medical marijuana, well, marijuana seemed to make a bit of an appearance in the keynote as well. That was kind of entertaining. I found that very entertaining. And the w, you're talking about the joke in the WWDC, mm. WWDC keynote. Yeah, that was very telling considering uh, Dr. Dre's reputation around that topic. Yeah, that, I, I, I know we're not really talking about the keynote, but I was really impressed with how <laughs> comfortable all of them were standing up on that stage and joking around and having a great time. It was like All open mic night <laughs> at the yeah, comedy club. it was club. actually like open mic night. It was good. 
I was in the you know, Silicast chat room and we were discussing whether uh, Craig Frederiki does stand up tours. <laughs> yeah, it was. There was a lot of uh, joking around at, at, the, at Apple's own expense. A lot of it, which is good because that's that's the good kind of joking. I mean, they also some pretty sharp jabs. They yeah at other was... people, but they they poked fun at themselves. Did you did you did you see the the banner? Somebody posted a banner that said. Uh, Soul, start your photo, start your photocopiers. I didn't see that. No. <laughs> they already have. If you uh, continue <laughs> on through the stories we have today, indeed. So next, the next sort of grouping of stories that caught my eye um, is that ransomware made a big appearance this month. At the start of the month, there was a new wave of it hitting Androidy people, and for the Androidy people, it was actual genuine malware that was actually doing the ransomware thing of encrypting your files, like. I'm sorry to say, like Windows users are used to in the PC world. Um, but then at the end of the month, something unusual happened, and we ended up with some, what I sort of call, faux ransomware showing up on iOS devices. Because there was no actual malware, and the devices weren't being encrypted as such, but someone who was not their users was logging in, apparently through iCloud, to report the devices as stolen, and hence locking them that way. Now, Apple have released a statement to say that their stuff wasn't hacked. So what this really looks like is that there are people who don't have either strong I, uh, iCloud passwords or they've reused their iCloud password somewhere yeah. else. And in one of the 20 kabillion data breaches we've had this year, those details have come out and someone is going around and trying them. Right. Well, I mean, that's not a big surprise. Well, that's true, actually. We know people are going to go around and try all those username and Well, no, I mean, I mean that, that so many people... Um, that that use iCloud are using you know the same ridiculous you know six letter or their you know the last six digits of their social security number or whatever else they think is mm-hmm. clever, and you know it gets it gets uh, it compromised in one site and you know they pretty much just run you know run it to the ground see where else it'll go. They own you, yeah. yeah. Now the good news is that if you were hit by this. If you can't get an AppleCare, you could get it sorted out without having to pay anyone any sort of extortionate fee. And I guess the key lesson here is two-factor auth is good. Yes. And just to to note, you couldn't pay the ransom even if you wanted to, apparently. Oh, because the PayPal account got closed or something? It, no, it didn't exist. They oh. they sent an email, the, the letter from an email, and said pay with a, this PayPal account, and that account didn't even exist according to PayPal. They're like, that doesn't even exist. So I don't know what. So a proof of concept attack. <laughs> yeah, I guess. Yeah. So you couldn't get the money to them even if you you wanted to. So probably what you should have done is just sent them an email back. Said, "Yep, I dropped it in your account." <laughs> Please unlock that's unlock the typical, me now. That's the typical Apple walled garden. Doesn't even work with malware. <laughs> what was what was most irritating to me was how many sites ran with the headline that immediately that iCloud had been compromised, which implied that somehow the iCloud system had been breached and attacked. But saying it really kind of pissed me off. You clicks at them. Yeah. You know, Apple, Apple users use bad passwords. No ad revenue. Apple screwed up. iCloud broken. Big ad revenue. Yeah. Sad. Well, and oddly enough, there was no follow-up story from any of these sites saying, oops, sorry, we were wrong. Yeah, of course. <laughs> oh, well, there might have been like a two pixels high at the bottom of a screen somewhere. Yeah. So ba- ba- buried under a flash ad. 
<laughs> and so I always tell my people, look to multiple sources and do your own digging. Don't, yeah. Don't and, trust the link bait headlines. Yeah, and I, I guess the, the, the real thing is to find sites that you trust who don't do that. Yeah. I I have stopped. I have just deleted the URSS on so many sites over the years where they have put up stupid link bait headlines and have said, no, sorry, there are other people on the internet who talk sense. I'm going to them instead. And thankfully, my favorite security site of the moment was reasonable about it. So Naked Security get a plus plus on how they handle this. Yeah. Unfortunately, so many people, too, don't read past the headline or the first paragraph either. Yeah. And to some extent, there was a game of Chinese whispers going on because it was a case of, um, you know, someone might have compromised iCloud became, someone definitely compromised iCloud became, iCloud was hacked. You know, it, 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 Right. Yeah. Yeah, it started off saying there have been reports of, which is really not a good basis for any factual reporting. No, no, it's not. Someone so, somewhere in the world said something. Yeah, a guy I met in the pub was probably about the quality <laughs> of that source. Anyway, so the, I guess the, the, the sort of the two reasons I wanted to bring it up were, you know, that this wasn't actual malware, and if you have a weak iCloud password, probably you should do something about it and maybe turn on two-factor auth. And if you have a non-unique iCloud password, mm. change it. Especially if you use the, it on, say, Adobe or one of those places that got right. really hacked. Anywhere. Target. Yeah, I, I mean, really, I, your iCloud password, considering that it controls the remote wipe of all of your devices, treat it like you would the one for your bank. Yeah. I except even have it. Sec- yeah, but except they're using the same password for their banks, too. Yeah. I mean, I mean, these these are people, and, you know, I hate to make a general statement like this, but most I'm guessing that most of the people that got caught with something like this are using the same password for like their identity on the internet, regardless yes. of where it goes or what it controls or what it does. They just say, Oh, well I'm uh, I'm uh, Joe Blow from Idaho and my, <clears throat> my Oh, ever so secret password is one, two, three, four, five, six. Yeah. Actually one of the, Slightly good. Well, I won't say good, but one of the interesting side effects of the big, uh, big breach over at um, Adobe was that we got a sort of an updated list of what are the most common passwords, and one two three four five was very high on that list. Of course, as well as QWERTY. Yay! I I I even took this as a. I mean, I just took it as a sign too. I went ahead and changed my iCloud password anyway, and I use a one password. You know, ridiculous password that it generated for me with all the right you know things it's like i think i'm i think i'm now currently defaulting to 24 characters could maybe go longer except some sites don't support that long so i always get caught with that so 24 has kind of been a happy medium for me i went ahead and just changed my icloud password anyway just you know now for it doesn't hurt to do it was easy icloud you sometimes have to type in because when you get a new iphone or whatever you have to type it in oh yeah which is why on xkpasswd.net, I created a preset for Apple ID, which gives you a very long random password, but it's actually typable. So it's based <laughs> off going, of was, dictionary words and some numbers and some symbols and things, but it's actually typable and, and over the phone sayable and so on and so forth. So I'm just going to plug my own site there and say, if you want a password that's both secure, but actually typable by hand when you have to, hopefully not too often, then I would say xkpasturebd.net and there's a nice big donate button there and it really helped me if some people clicked on that because I have some server builds coming up. 
Oh, if you yeah. hadn't mentioned it, Bart, I was going to. Oh, nothing. Um, much better if it wasn't me. <laughs> <laughs> well, just just let that be known, listeners, that uh, I would have mentioned it, but Bart beat me to it. Uh, I use it all the time. In fact, so much that um, in fact, you should probably put a link to this on your somewhere on your site, Bart. Uh, I created an Alfred Two workflow that allows me to generate XK WD passwords right to my clipboard. I should do that. Actually, I'm actually working on XKPassWD2. The actual core library is about 80% done. And then when that's done, I'm going to redo the website. With That link is definitely going to be there. And there's some other features on the way. And then I am considering both an iOS app and a command line utility. But they're still in the works. Cool. So anyway, so that's a little aside. Uh, ooh, I've lost my show notes. That's not a good idea. Okay, so the next story is one that I really wanted to cover because to me it proves my point that the DOJ got ebooks totally, completely, and utterly wrong. There was a monopolist in the game; it wasn't Apple, so, <laughs> or the or the publishers, or the publishers indeed. So there is at this stage it's sort of an ongoing saga between uh, Hachette Books, I believe that's how you pronounce it. I've been told it's a Frenchy name. I called them Hatchet, but apparently that's wrong. <laughs> that's what, well, it is a Hatchet job, isn't it? There's a Hatchet job going on, you could argue. Against yeah. Hatchet. Hatchet, okay. So okay. Hatchet are a, they're a sort of a, they're a big publisher, but they're not the biggest of the big. You know, they do have big names like Stephen Colbert, which is surely something. And Amazon are trying to renegotiate with them and they want cheaper deals. And as a result, Amazon delayed shipments. They pulled high profile books from pre-order. When you search for them and you've still got you know, when you search for the book title on Google, you were sent to Amazon, who then tried to say, Ash, why don't you buy this book instead? Which is a bit bait-and-switchy in my book. Certainly not nice. Also, raising the prices by not giving discounts. So you can argue that's not raising prices, it's failing to discount, but splitting hairs somewhat. And, um, well, there are lots of people saying that Amazon should be held up in front of the courts for anti-competitive practices over this kind of stuff. And Amazon's reply is, well, should mom and pop bookstores do this all the time? To which my answer would be yes, but they don't control almost all of the market. That's very true. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think uh, I was, we were talking about this last week on the MyMac.com podcast. Yeah, plug, plug. And... Uh, some of the numbers I saw was that Amazon controls, I think these are mostly U.S. numbers, 65% of the ebook market and uh, I think close to 50% of the physical market. And uh, when I was talking about this in some online forum, the guy kept saying, yeah, but that doesn't make him a monopoly. And it's like, dude, you don't have to have 100% <laughs> of the market to be considered a monopoly. And, yeah, I mean, some people just don't get it. They certainly have a very, very large amount of power. Yeah, when you control control enough of the market, you can dictate prices not just to your customers, but to your suppliers and kind of to your competitors. Yeah, you're you're kind of of using market power – to uh to to bend and manipulate what it is that that you know whatever market it is that that you're obviously in control of one of the things that i think a lot of people have trouble with with the law with how the law works in terms of um, anti-competitive practices is that something that's perfectly okay for you to do when you're a mom and pop store becomes not okay if you 
become big enough to the point that you're dominating a market. And just because the prices get lowered does not necessarily mean it's good for consumers. It does because not. Because the lower prices, all that does is put more pressure on your competitors, some of whom won't be able to match it and eventually go away, leaving you with even more market share. You're also squeezing the artists at the other end. Yeah. You're putting pressure on them. They can't make money. They get out of the business. You don't have as much content. And you're also obviously – so as well, you're, you're directly squeezing the publishers who perform the pretty important role of quality assurance on books because anyone can write an ebook in their loft, but to turn that into an actual product ready for human consumption, you need editors. And those are very intelligent, very well-paid people who do a really important job. And if you squeeze the publishers out of the way, you're going to end up with an awful lot of very bad books out there. That's very true. Basically, to me, this is just, yeah, this is what I've been saying all along. P- prosecuting Apple over this is nuts, but that's not what the problem is. Well, we were talking about companies giving payoffs. I wonder if uh, Amazon has been doing that with certain judges. I would just he like said, to distance this podcast from that particular <laughs> oh, I didn't say what judge. No, and you did say you wondered. But yeah, I, I, don't, I don't even think it necessarily has to go that way. I don't really understand, actually. I don't understand where, where and how the pressures came the way they did. It doesn't make sense to me. Anyway, some better news. Um, there's been a lot of fallout ever since a certain Mr. Snowden started leaking stuff. And uh, one of the things that's come out of it is a lot of pressure on companies to be more open about things and in some cases that is actually pressure on governments to let companies be more open about things but uh, positive developments from Apple in that realm this month um, I sort of broke it into three related stories we have Apple have said that assuming there isn't an, an explicit gag order they will tell you if they've given your information to law enforcement and that's a good thing it is a good thing so that means that only in very extreme cases where it has been in front of a judge and the judge has said, no, you may not tell them, will they not tell you? And that, to me, is perfectly fine because that's why we have judges. That's why we have courts. Yep. Apple also then went on to release a fairly sizable document basically explaining what they give under what circumstances. So we expect you to have a warrant if we're going to give them this. We expect to have a certain X, Y, Z if we're going to give them X, Y, Z and so forth. And so... It's basically clear what Apple gave and what law enforcement have to provide in exchange for that information. Uh, stuff like badge numbers, if, if officers are requesting information and all that kind of stuff. So if you're interested in what Apple are up to, Apple have put that on their website and so you can go have a read. And then the last related story is that the EFF, the Electronic Freedom, the Electronic Frontier oh. Foundation, I keep on thinking one of those F should be freedom, but it isn't. Uh, They do an annual report called Who Has Your Back, where they basically measure companies in terms of how they react to government requests for data, and they gave Apple six stars. So basically, there are six criteria, Apple do them all, therefore Apple got six stars. Way to go, Apple. Highlighting that is in relation to government requests, not uh, general security. Not security, not privacy, it is purely about transparency of government requests, yes. Because Facebook also got six stars. Which is weird. Well, no, because Facebook actually... Facebook won't 
to take all of your information and use it for their ends, but Facebook are not right. too keen to give it away to the government. <laughs> yeah. Not when they can make money from it themselves. Yeah. So, so it, it's initially weird, but actually no. And I mean, one of the six criteria is that they that they lobby uh, Congress for change in the laws and so on and so forth. So, you know, it, it is in Facebook's interest not to be forced into doing things that will make their users cranky. On the other hand, if the government started paying for the information, they might change their tune. Ooh, there's a nasty <laughs> <True>. thought. <laughs> <laughs> there's no true. money in giving information to government, so why would I do it? Ooh, that's a horrible thought. <laughs> <laughs> and moving on. <clears throat> yeah, so unless anyone else has any thoughts on that, that sort of brings us to the end of the, the uh, main stories. I think that's everyone seems happy with that. So I just want to mention quickly a few things. We won't go into these in, in as much detail. Um, we are at the... We're getting close to our hour mark. We're not quite there yet. So the first thing is there was a lot of coming and going in the Apple boardroom. Well, I'm not sure all these people were board level, but Apple staff changes. So um, Katie Cotton, who was sort of seen as Steve Jobs' right-hand person for a long time, uh, she was head of PR at Apple, and she is leaving after 18 years. And one of the things actually that caught my eye on this is that there seemed to be a certain element of sexism in how this was reported on. Because... Yeah. P or queen and all these kind of things. That's not how you report on males leaving a job. Why is she, why is Katie Cotton being treated differently? Don't know if that's not good. I, I, I don't know. Would would there have been a title PR king? I can I can yes. imagine it. It probably wouldn't have, but I can imagine it could. Well, yeah. I mean, it should have just been yeah. kind of how you have it written here, which is PR guru. If if you need some kind of of nickname to attach to it, you know, make it non sexist. I mean, how hard is that? I'm I'm very directly attached to this because I know where that this came from, and oh. I work with these people. This came from a piece that Brian Chaffin posted over at Mac Observer. Okay, and anybody who knows Brian knows this that that does not come from that place, and this no. was thrust upon his piece. This was not in that context. It was a sign of respect, meaning you know she's PR royalty. She was the queen of PR at Apple. She's and had legendary standing. Mac, Mac observers also mm. posted that uh, people are, you know, within Apple are kings of their departments, and so I don't know. I thought it was a bit ridiculous the the reporting on it or where it was taken because it was totally taken someplace which you could take it to if you wanted to. Well, to, to me, I don't think it was taken that it was meant in a sexist way. To me, the way I took it is that societally, we seem to be quicker to give females those kind of titles than males. I didn't look at it as being, ooh, the, 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 the Mac Observer being mean. I just thought it was an interesting reflection on society. That's how I sort of took it. But Because you know, I, I have a lot of respect for both TMO and Brian Chafin, because they both yeah. do great stuff. Yeah, well, uh, you know, it was, really, it was really put into a context that wasn't intended by other people, which I, I question in and of itself, right? Okay. And no one came yeah. to ask him or, you know talk about it so it's like anything on the internet right you can you can spin anything sort of the way you want if you don't bother to go put it into context any or, deeper yeah hmm. yeah if, if you go east a little uh from where you are bart uh okay do you do you talk about monarch elizabeth the second or guru elizabeth the second or is no, she always queen elizabeth her title 
Yeah. It, yeah, so, so I think... Actually, yeah, but I, th- I think Katie Cottonsightle was VP. Correct. Yeah. But I think what Brian is saying is that she was more than a VP. She was the queen of that department, isn't she? She was ran the, that department. The, yeah, that was that the was monarch the monarch of the department. Yeah, yeah. I, I don't... I don't think we're as quick to have those kind of titles on non-female. Well, again, you say you say that again, but Brian is. He's used King in reference to other Apple vice presidents. I, I could find the articles, no, but no, I'm, okay, I'm so having I, trouble I, searching I, for them right I, I don't now. want to make this about about Brian Chafin because <laughs> no, 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 and that's not what it's. A, that's not what it's. No, no, but I, but I want to point out again. This is certain people talk in certain ways and reference things in certain ways and it's it's common to have certain speech patterns that are personal to certain people hmm. right yeah, sure. so yes in general maybe there aren't people referring to people that way but it is something that some people do so i don't think it's all that unusual but it's easy to call it out as unusual okay i, I guess i don't know it's just something i noticed that female politicians tend to be treated differently to male politicians and i certainly see a lot of female well i think that's treated differently and I don't think anybody's going to dispute that either. Yeah, I'm just saying I don't. I, I would say probably not the best example of it. I'll the word that, that would have been used, the word that would have been used, had this been intended in a, in a, as a sexual reference, would have been diva. Ooh, yeah, that's that's even right? that, that has <laughs> connotations. Queen is a mark of respect. Well, it Usually. can be, and it can't be actually. That, that yeah. can cut both ways. Well, that's part of the problem with that word. Yes, because calling someone a queen. <laughs> can be quite negative. Well, <laughs> quite depends a on their gender, I suppose. <laughs> anyway, the point is, Katie Cotton is leaving after 18 years of sterling <laughs> service, which is a big blow to Apple, I think. Um, something that caught my eye is John Gruber sort of gave a, a little anecdote about how, obviously, she was spectacularly good at her job. I think he was invited along to, I think it was Antenagate, and he had said, oh, I'll do my best to make it. I have a bit of a cold, but I should be there. And when he got there, the first thing he said was, oh, how's the cold? And yeah, he, I read that. It was quite quite interesting. Yeah. So, you know, there's a certain... Well, that's just PR done right. You know, you've got to be so aware of it. Or you're paying attention. Yeah. Well, if anybody's on top of what's happening, you know, it's it's Apple. Yeah. Right. In terms of what's being said about them and where and who's saying it. I you guess a lot of that has been, has been Katie Cotton, though. So, yes, exactly. I mean, Apple yeah. will be as good at this from now on. Has she trained a, a protege? I am sure it's been taken care of. Probably. I mean, when when you have someone running the department that is that methodical and pays that much attention to details, you have to imagine that she would not be leaving, you know, that that position unattended. Yeah. If, if you're that good, then you'll... And she said she didn't want to... Uh, she didn't find it an easy decision to leave. So she's sort of being, you know, tearing herself away from it almost reluctantly. If you do that, you, you leave something behind. You leave a legacy. Yeah, yeah. Just, like, just like Steve did. I think it's a similar kind of situation. I hope so. I hope so. Um, also... Actually, I hope not. How do you mean? <laughs> I, oh, I, I, I hope why the new person... Being in the media, being someone who's been on the on the short side of that stick, it's sort of like, yeah, yeah, I'd love to have all my questions answered every time I send an email to PR at Apple.com. Great. <laughs> <laughs> no comment, I guess. They have that one on, on like Text Expander or something, don't they? 
I think it's an auto reply, isn't it? <laughs> you don't no, you don't even get a reply. It's like a black hole. From time to time, Apple purchases uh, purchase smaller companies. We do not exactly. tell you what we do with them. They have these like preset <laughs> mantras that seem to come out. Yeah, in a, in a press release. But if you remember the press and you try and email someone at Apple, unless you know somebody specifically and kind of have a back way in, it's not it's pretty much a black hole. Hmm. They have all. It's funny because they have all the contact info on the site, right? You can find out who yeah. to email to very easily. But don't don't expect anything. <laughs> These are the addresses that don't bounce. And it's not to you. (laughs) Uh, Also leaving is um, the uh, the head of sales for North America, uh, Zane Rowe. Not not someone who ever made it high enough up to be on our radars, I guess. Well, was was he said to be a queen as well? He was not described (laughs) as a queen, strangely enough. (laughs) Or a king. Um, the interesting one, though, is the opposite direction. So Apple have hired one of Nokia's camera gurus. The camera guru, right? Yeah, so Nokia's are really known for their cameras at the moment. And having that talent come to Apple makes a photographer like me really quite happy. But does it mean that, that the the cameras will get better or the software will get better? Because, they, you know, I mean... I, I heard somebody talking about it. It may have been you, Bart, mm-hmm. that, you know, if if all they do is do what Nokia did, which was put a, a you know, really big lens on, on a cell phone, well, that kind of it's not really Apple's philosophy for keeping things as thin as they possibly can. You see, the thing is, Nokia didn't do only that. do that. A lot of Nokia's magic is also in software. Yeah. And Apple can certainly... I don't imagine Apple are going to make phones with bumpy, sticky-outy bits. I know I said that on a podcast somewhere. I just do not see that ever happening. But if Apple already have a dedicated image processing chip in your iPhone, if that image processing chip gets better, you as the user will see the camera getting better. The fact that that is not done by physical lenses with little motors, but by software, doesn't matter to you, the user. You're getting better pictures out of your device. Right. Yeah. But somebody who knows... I'll be happy if he can just bring Zoom. Well, you're going to be unhappy. Yeah. Unless, we, unless we can get a moving Zoom to fit within like the six millimeters our phone is thick. <laughs> if anybody can, can do it. a real challenge. Yeah. yeah, true. Apple might be able to figure out a way to pull it off. Well, we shall see over time, I guess. Um, then in other companies releasing stuff news, um, if you'd like, you can now have Google Glass for $1,500. We. <laughs> Come on, yeah. Bart, read out that term you put in the show notes. I said if you want to be a glass hole, you can do it for just $1,500. Thank you. Yeah, see, these uh, show notes aren't for publication. That's why I get to be colloquial in them. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I, I just am uh, colouring me utterly, totally, and completely unimpressed with Google Glass. I've been reading a lot of interesting commentary about, well, not a lot, a, a modicum of interesting commentary about glass recently that's suggesting that Whilst it's uh, technologically very clever and, and you know, even potentially well done, society's just not ready for that. It's, mm-hmm. it's very much big brother. Well, no, it's not big brother. It's, it's little brother all around you. And, mm. it, yeah, I, I just don't but see it taking off. The same thing could have said, was said about cell phones if you go back, right? When we started having cameras on our cell phones, there was a huge, huge me, sort of backlash on that. It's not the this camera doesn't thing go in your pocket. It, 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 right. I, I'm not put off by the fact that there are people have cameras. Ooh, like 
Well, no, because cell phone because cell phones got through got through that thing. But that's what I'm saying is like every kind every time there's sort of this revolutionary kind of uh, socially changing technology, it is going to there's going to be it's going to come out. There's going to be a period of backlash, and there's there's going to be then sort of a easing into the future, people are going to get more comfortable with them. So I've often said about glass, you know, it's like this big social experiment that kind of has to be done if this kind of technology is to move forward at some point. You know, you could say that about, I mean, cars were like that. If you go back and look oh, when sure. the first automobiles came out, I mean, there was huge backlash against that kind of uh, technology. So, yeah, you know, I think it's like... I mean, my issue with Google isn't, oh, it has a camera, people could be spying on me, because if we wanted to do that, we could anyway. There's lots of better ways right. to do that. And if you live in most of the Western world, you're being spied on all the time, every time you're in a public street, by all of those lovely security cameras that are all linked together with face recognition technology and all sorts of stuff. So the, that's not the problem with glass. I just, with the, the problem I have with glass is that it's just erecting a barrier between you and the world. It's like the perfect tool yep. for introverts who really just don't want to deal with reality. And uh -huh. I can have my phone with me. And if I'm in a restaurant with you, you know when, when, when I'm looking at you or when I'm playing with my phone. When I'm playing with my phone, I have my phone in my hand and I'm looking at it instead of at you. I don't want to right. have a You're really, and I'm really annoyed. screen between me and them. Yeah. So. And also yeah. the technology isn't great. Battery life's awful, yada, yada, yada. Yep. But th well, that, that can that's be overcome, right? That's just, yeah, exactly. This is version zero. But it's, this, it's that social, you know, it's figuring out those social norms. But I mean, at least the product's out there so we can have these conversations about, you know, what's good about it, what's bad about it, what needs to change. And, you know, is it, is it even viable technology that we even want at some point? I mean, we can even have that conversation. For me, it seems like, no, I mean, like, I don't see much good in it, but there are people that do, and maybe we'll figure some stuff out and everybody's life will get better. Who knows? To me, it also doesn't help that it's Google doing this. Yeah. <laughs> because there's too many vested interests here, and the interest is not in giving me a good product, it's in getting as much information about me as possible, and if their SEC filing this month is anything to go by, to advertise at me in my face. <laughs> so, yeah. I don't, I don't believe them on that one, by the way. I have a Nest, and I'm fully expecting it within the next couple of years to start popping up ads, at least for something like, hey, you better go to Home Depot and get a new air filter. Click here if you want to purchase <laughs> it right now. Well, Which actually might be now, helpful. But, like, the next model will have a bigger screen, miraculously. <laughs> Well, then, Adam, you'll have to get into your Google self-driving car and then read the adverts for all the things you need for that on the way to wherever right. you're going to get your air filter. <laughs> well, like I said, it, it, if, if, if it will actually tie into, like, Amazon and I just push the button, like, hey, you need new air filters, click here. And I click the button and then air filters show up the next day. That actually might not be too bad. That's useful. By, by drone, of course. <laughs> by drone. <laughs> <laughs> You know, uh, so it, it really depends on the implementation. Now, if it's just going to pop up, if it starts recognizing different individuals in my house and then making, you know, recommended suggestions of things they should buy, it starts to move into that realm of a little bit creepy. Yeah, Adam, don't line. take this personally. Don't take this personally, nor you, Guy, but isn't America one of the, the growing nations in terms of waistline? Do we need this or should we be getting out more? <laughs> we, should, we should all be getting out more. But I was going to say, will those drones be... Uh, able to lift a uh, coconut. <laughs> <laughs> they, uh, as long as there's two or... and there's a string. Yeah. But, <laughs> but the, 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 uh, the, the African drones are not migratory. Ah. <laughs> 
and now for something completely different. <laughs> <laughs> Anyone who doesn't know what we're talking about, watch Monty Python, all of it. Yeah. Um, Microsoft have also released a product I don't understand. Um, I have gotten into some quite serious online arguments about this, but the Pro 3 is out, and Woo! they're saying it's better at being a laptop. So, yeah. <laughs> Great! As compared to what? A laptop? <laughs> I, I don't get it. Right? To, to me, a floppily doppily device can't be a good laptop. As a tablet, it's awful because it confuses my finger with a pointer. And they said that the screen has a higher, re- has a higher density. Great, so my finger is now even more of a blob. Didn't, didn't we not buy this when it was called a netbook? We also oh. didn't buy it when it was the Surface and Surface 2. Um, on what planet does a kickstand make sense in your lap? I, That's yeah, what I don't, I don't get. A kickstand-shaped lap. Now, the thing that I have never understood is why they came out with the Surface Pro at all. But, of course, I don't understand Windows 8 either. They had an opportunity to come out with a completely different type of UI than either Android or iOS. And, you know, basically the the Windows 8 Surface RT would have been their tablet device. And you start to build an ecosystem on that tablet device. What they did instead was during that same announcement say to all these developers that are out there that are thinking, okay, a whole brand new audience to sell stuff to, oh, by the way, in three months we're also releasing the Intel-based Surface Pro, which will run regular Windows. At that point, you probably could have heard every developer in the room go, well, then why the hell should I bother to develop for RT? They killed their own product and their own product segment within the tablets at launch yeah at launch can't argue with that yeah way to go no steve Ballmer's legacy killing (laughs) killing entire segments of his company with the swipe of a pen surface rt less successful than zune (laughs) (laughs) yes now, I'm, look, I'm sure there's lots of listeners out there who get the Surface Pro 3, but I just, I am not one of them. I, I, I don't do compromised devices, and that's all this is to me. Well, comparing it, and the whole comparison to the, the MacBook Air thing was just yeah, bizarre. That, yeah. Well, it's the like, comparison really? apparently we should take, by the way, is that it's not, a, it's not a replacement for the MacBook Air. It's a replacement for the MacBook Air and the iPad, to which I would say it's a replacement for neither. Or at least it's not a good replacement for either. Because if I want yeah. a touch OS, I'd like a touch OS, please. And the iOS is a really good touch OS, the best one out there that I've seen yet. And if I want a laptop, well, the MacBook Air is a really good laptop. And the With Surface OS Pro 10. 3 isn't... It's a tolerable laptop and a tolerable tablet, but it's a good nothing. Right. And they're competing on the la- in the laptop side of the segment. They're competing against some amazing products that run Windows, you know, in, in laptops from their partners. But doesn't True. doesn't you know, that the are in whole the same problem price, price even be? I mean, the whole problem begins and ends with Windows Eight. What was the point of Windows Eight? <laughs> they took the the huge success over Vista of Windows Seven and dumped it right into the toilet with a touch OS that nobody wanted or asked for, and they they have now spent what two years, three years since Windows Eight came out trying to convince developers what a great idea it is to release touch versions 
of applications that don't need it. While not doing so for their own office suite. Yeah, yeah. Have you seen Office for iOS? It's great. It's awesome. It's beautiful. Yeah, it's like the best version of, of Office on a touch platform, and it's not even on Microsoft's own. It's just, why didn't they put that out on RT? They would have sold a million. To me, right, the, the logic of Windows 8 is, to me, fundamentally flawed. But if you take that logic and you follow it through to hardware, you do get the Surface Pro 3. So at least the Surface Pro 3 has the same philosophy as Windows 8. I think that's a terrible yeah. thing, but at least there's a consistency yeah. there. There you go. Well, all I know is every time I walk into stores and people are, are looking at computers, I see all of these all-in-one touch computers from Dell and HP and all these other companies gathering dust. I see uh, most people that are looking at laptops are not looking at touch-enabled laptops because what they want is a good laptop with a good OS that works with a keyboard and mouse. If they want a touch device, they'll get an Android tablet or an iOS device because those are devices that were created from the very beginning to be touch-enabled. And this is where I can't think of Microsoft's new CEO CEO's name. What he should have done was canceled the Surface Pro and start pushing as a touch-enabled OS Surface RT. And I'm ranting like hell on this show, and I'm very, very sorry, Bart. But no. some things just <laughs> get me stirred up. I agree. Uh, however, I'm going to move us right. on because yeah, okay. we've crossed our arrow mark now. Um, I just want to put a pin in some things just for future reference because I think they're going to be important before the summer is out. The nascent, we shall call it, health space continues to develop. Um, we'll be talking about that more next month, obviously, because <laughs> the health kit, not not uh, not the name we thought it was going to get. What did we think it was going to be called again? Well, health, health, health. I'm so glad the rumor has got the name wrong. So yeah, I like health kit, health kit better. Health Kit and the Health app. So there's actually two things. Yeah. So just to put a pin in it, so there were two developments from non-Apple in that space. LG released a wristband and headphone fitnessy trekky thing. And Samsung released a fancy wristband called the Simband and a cloud system for aggregating all of your data together called SAMI, which is a backronym of the worst kind because apparently it stands for the Samsung Architecture Multimodal Interaction. Don't you know? Well, I still think Sinbad, the uh, comedian, should sue Samsung. <laughs> um, so we're going to leave it there for this month. As I say, we'll have an in-depth discussion on the goodness at WWC, WWDC at the end of next month. And hopefully we'll have a little more meat on those bones. Um, thank you to the entire panel. I'll let you introduce yourselves in a moment after I do my little bit of begging I have to do every month. Uh, this show is for free for all of you to enjoy. It is not free for me to create. So if you would like to contribute towards those costs, you can do so either by supporting me through Patreon, which is an interesting idea where you basically pledge a small amount of money per episode. And then assuming I actually produce said episodes, uh, I get paid. And if I don't, I don't. Or there's a PayPal button for just a one-off. Here you go, Bart. Thanks very much. So your choice. And as I say, it's free. So it's just... If you would like to support the show, by all means do. If you wouldn't, no worries. Uh, it's all grand. So, also, thank you very much to those who have supported. That is very much appreciated. Uh, thank you to the panel. Uh, I guess we'll go in reverse order. Guy, where do you hang out on the internet? 
Well, most people can find me week after week, much to their regret, at the MyMac.com podcast that I do with Gazmaz. Uh, we've been doing that show together, I think, since 2009. You know, the, the, the days and weeks and years start to blur after a while. <laughs> but uh, we're still having a really, really good time with it. And, uh, yeah, go, go check us out there. I'm, I'm usually not nearly as angry as I was on this show. I have been on your show a few times. I can vouch for the fact that it is a hoot in the best possible <laughs> way. Uh, and also, your your show and this show are both members of the Stoplight Network, so we should play oh, the yes. Stoplight Network as well. Yes, yes, the, the grand Stoplight Network. Excellent. Adam, thank you very much for joining us. And, uh, hey, thanks for having from, me. From the wonderful MacCast we've already mentioned, where else can people find you online? Uh, they can find me at, uh, well, MacCast.com is the website. I can't remember if we plugged that or not, but uh, I'm MacCast on Twitter. And uh, also I do a show. It's now been rebranded as the iOS show, but it used to be called We Have Communicators. Um, and I'm not sure if the new URL is up yet. So we have communicators.com, which I do with Jeff Gamut and Michael Johnson. It's a little more iOS focused. So if you're more on the iOS side, check that out. Otherwise, you can check out the MacCast. Excellent. Thank you very much, Adam. Which is not uh, on the Stoplight Network. No. Uh, Alistair, do you want to give out a few links? Uh, Yep, two things. You can find me on Twitter, twitter.com forward slash ZKARJ. And all things me can be found at the website ZKARJ.me. Excellent. And I actually probably should have said in the bit where I was saying, you know, if you want to donate and stuff, you actually go to the show's website, which is www.letstalk.ie. I've been your host for the day, Bart Bouchot, so you can find me at bartb.ie. And until next time, happy computing. Listening to another great podcast in the Stoplight Network. Hi everyone, it's Guy from the MyMac.com podcast, and I'm here to tell you about the show. I wish Gaz was here, but apparently he's too busy, so Hey, hold on a minute, I'm right here. What are you going on about? Well, I was about to cut a promo, but you always seem busy doing other things. Okay, now you've cheesed me off, so I'm turning you into a chipmunk. <laughs> sure, like you have the power to do that. Well, What did you just do to me? Like I said, I turned you into a chipmunk. Now be quiet while I do the promo. Why do I have a sudden craving for lettuce? The MyMac.com podcast is a fun look at all the goings-on in the Mac world. We involve the listeners in a show to talk about what's important to them and interview people who do amazing things with their Macs and iOS devices. A carrot might be nice. You can contact us via Facebook, Twitter, Skype as well as email. I have an urge to climb trees really fast. Shh! Find us in iTunes by searching under my Mac. You'll find us and a lot of other great shows all under the Stoplight Network. Hey, I can scratch behind my ears with my foot. If you promise to be good, I'll change you back. I don't know. I'm kind of digging the fur. The MyMac.com podcast. Done by a Brit and apparently now a chipmunk. <laughs>